Hi guys, Craig here. Welcome to another edition of the podcast, Tell Craig Your Story. Today I'll be speaking to Newcastle Knights legend Mark Glanville. Now Mark is born in Wagga in Australia. He's currently working with Good Sports. It's a drug and alcohol program. Mark is also a part of the commentating team for the Newcastle Knights on Triple M Radio. He is Australian schoolboy representative, he has represented uh, New South Wales country, and he played with St George, but he's most famous for his 181 games with the Newcastle Knights, his premiership win in 97 with the Newcastle Knights, that was his last game, and then he went on to play with Leeds Rhinos for two seasons and we talk about uh, his career and the amazing 97 grand final and with me being a huge Newcastle Knights fan that was a great honour to have a chat with Mark Glanville but before we go please go to our website we are on Podbean talk your story at podbean.com we're also on all the social medias Facebook, Instagram, Twitter VK for our Russian listeners and WeChat for a Chinese listeners at Till Craig Your Story. And we have a link tree there which tells you where all Till Craig Your Story podcast is streaming. All right, here we go. This is my chat with Mark Glanville on Till Craig Your Story podcast. Hey Mark, how are you doing today? Very well, thanks, Craig. Uh, first, first up, uh, I wanted to ask. Uh, I ask everybody this uh, first question uh, recently. How's everything going uh, with the coronavirus with you? Has it stopped uh, stopped you doing uh, work? Obviously, with your radio and your sideline eye, um, that stopped. But how are your family? And, and and you know, how what have you been doing in this period? Yeah, no, family's all good. Uh, we're all, we're all surviving it okay. Haven't been too many cases in Newcastle and the Hunter. I think there's only been a couple of hundred, yes. uh, which has been pretty good. And um, looking forward to, to the uh, or to the government relaxing more um, restrictions, really. So, but yeah, working. I've still been working, being working at home and in the office a bit. So, my office I work out of uh, Hunter New England Health. Uh, or population health in Newcastle, which is out at Walls End. So I, I come into the office pretty much each day. Um, so it hasn't really changed too much for me. Apart yeah, so, from, so apart you're from able you to can't go, for, go to the pub, mate. Is, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I think they've uh, opened that out now as well. Uh, yeah, you can go, you yeah. can go to the bars now. So that that's a good thing. But so so, what are you currently uh, doing at the moment? Uh, I, I do believe it's good sports. Yeah, yeah. So can you tell I'm, us a little bit about that. I work for the Alcohol and Drug Foundation and one of the uh, programs I work on is a, a program called um, Good Sports, which is uh, an accreditation program that's aimed at local sporting clubs around managing alcohol responsibly and also oh. around having um, you know, illegal drug policies and those sort of things. So um, it's, I've been doing that for about the last 13 years, so I've uh, been doing it a while but uh, really enjoy it. and. Um, you know, get to meet with a lot of volunteers that are tied up with local sporting clubs, which is great. Yeah, right. So have you had anything to do with uh, the recent sort of scandal with uh, Bronson Cherry, like with his, his sort of... 
No, uh, I haven't. Uh, only from the point of view that you know we 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 sort of tried a couple of years ago or a few years ago now around trying to get the um, the NRL on board. Um, you know, and, and sort of looking after them, etc. But they've sort of knocked it back at this stage. So, yeah, but it's interesting to see that, you know, that still goes on. And I can't believe that, you know, play and, you know, probably says a, a bit about the players themselves, but how they think they only get away with it. Yeah, after, you know, and with all the sort of schooling that they get and yeah. everybody telling you continuously and like people getting caught before but they still yeah i mean in your back back uh in your day like would that be even talked about like uh like um, using sort of steroids well, or I mean, I, to be honest i reckon there was there was quite a bit of that going on uh yes because there wasn't much testing going on then uh, right so mate, I, I reckon uh, well, I remember we played. We played. Remember they used to do the um, preseason knockout, the Tui's. Uh, oh yes. Knockout. It was a preseason comp, and we played a double header. We played uh, North Sydney, um, and they played. We played down in Goulburn this day. This is probably about 1990 or 91. Right. I think it was 91. I think it was preseason. Yeah, beginning of 91, and Canberra were playing Balmain after us. So we played. Then we sort of waited on the field until they they then ran on. And, mate, the Canberra side came out. And dead set, they were that much bigger than the year before. It was yeah. ridiculous. So, um, and, and, mate, to be honest, I reckon, you know, some players have been on something. Yeah. And and it's probably not just rugby league in general. It was probably a lot of sports in, in oh, that time. Yeah, without yeah. doubt. Yeah, you could get away with it because there was, you know, very limited testing and... Um, those that get, did get tested, um, I think there was a bit more in the mid '90s, but you know that late '80s or mid '80s to, to late '90s, mate, there was bugger all. Yeah, and to be fair, it was a lot more physical in those days as well. Um, yeah. So, well, so sort of like the the injuries, uh, you know, would have been occurring a, a lot more as well. Oh, without doubt, and uh, mate, that was the days too when. From memory, Canterbury in that mid '80s, who were a tough side and had a, a real good pack, mate, they were wearing ice hockey shoulder pads. Yeah, at, at yeah. the time, which were made of like bloody a strong sort of plastic thing. All oh, right, wow. So, it, how how the times have changed uh, to the modern to the modern yeah. game? We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about the, like the Knights now, like the current team. Yep. You know they've had that huge break now. Like they started off on fire, winning their first two games very convincingly. So how do you see them progressing now, like uh, for, for for this year, for this season? Well, I think I think they'll be pretty good actually. I mean. I think most players have, have come back okay, in pretty good shape. I mean, obviously they had, they were given uh, training exercises and fitness stuff to do. But you know, and I think most players are, are be like that. You know, given the start they've had, they'd be all keen to do the right thing, and I'm sure they'll bounce back pretty good. I mean, it's probably not huge that um, they'll only have sort of three weeks as a team. Uh, running together and and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, hopefully, I think they should do okay. Yeah, because they've 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 already had that full preseason, and yeah, then that's you, know, right. you know, so they should be ready to go. And I, I think the good thing about the Knights this year is there's a lot of 
players sort of jostling for a spot in the actual first grade team, which in the years, a couple of years before, hasn't really sort of happened. You know, you've got Bradman Best, yep. uh, you know, they've just signed McCulloch. So it's good to see that sort of, you know, rivalry to sort of get that first grade spot, don't you think? Yeah, without doubt. I mean, um, you know, if you've got uh, a strong roster and, and that's, you know, in your top 30, then they're going to put pressure on the, the players that are playing in first grade. And, um, you know, hopefully that, that makes them play better. And, yeah, and it that, should. Yeah, definitely. Caitlin Ponga coming back and McCulloch. Yep. Um, I, I see a good future. And hopefully I can watch a few more games this year. Yeah, that's um, right. Well, I mean, they've got some, some pretty good juniors that are, that are vying for first grade spots. I mean, which is going to be great. Uh, and hopefully holds the club in, in good stead for the future. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Chris Randall on the bench and yep. uh, Tex, Tex Hoy yep. uh, starting at fullback this week. So that it's definitely a bright future for the Knights. And, and speaking of bright futures, uh, I do believe that uh, your son is in the in the juniors. Is that right? Or oh, right? But he, he was, yeah. But he he's, was? He's now, I mean, he's 23 now, so he'll be 23 at the end of the year. So he's um, he's playing with South Newcastle. Right. Yeah. And, and what has happened with the local competition? I haven't been too up to date with the local competition. No, Are well, they I, coming back? Yeah, well, they, they haven't started. And the word is that they probably won't play if, if they'll only play if crowds are allowed back in. So if, right. there's, if there's going to be no crowds, I'd say the competition won't go ahead this year. Thanks, bud. Wow. And can you remember a time where it's actually happened like this, that we've had such a long break? I mean, maybe like the Super League war or... No, well, not even that, mate. Even during the Super League war, I mean, play games still went ahead, etc. So, mate, this is, this is, you know, as everyone says, it's unprecedented times, but it mm. certainly is because, you know, it hasn't ever happened like this where, you know, at least we started the comp, but we got it two weeks into it and then it's been halted for at least six to seven weeks, eight weeks, really. So, yeah, right. Um, and not only that, where it's going to go, you know, the grand final will be held sort of into late October and then you're going to have the State of Origin series in yes. November. So I hope we don't get a, um, a bloody heat wave, heat wave come through. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and like in terms of injuries as well, it's going to really test the, the, the squad uh, depth as well, like uh, you know, playing, you know, having no breaks or no buys, just yeah. play, playing straight through it. So, we'll talk a little bit uh, more about that later. But uh, let's go back a little bit. So, for our international uh, listeners, uh, they might be a little bit vague about this. So, uh, you were born in uh, Wagga Wagga. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. So, tell us about uh, growing up there. Uh, what was it like? Yeah. Again, for our international listeners. Yeah, no worries. Uh, well, Wagga Wagga's in southern sort of New South Wales. It's a country town. I, I, when I grew up there, it was population around thirty to 40,000, so it wasn't a big town. But like all, all country towns, you know, uh, sport was the main thing that happened on the weekend. Everyone played sport. I was no different. You know, I, I played... Heap of my mates played Aussie Rules. I played Aussie Rules at school. Um, oh, right. Played, obviously, rugby league. I played basketball. You know, heap of, heap of different sports. But obviously rugby league, my father played rugby league. Right. That's the reason I was into rugby league and my younger brother played as well. So, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough growing up playing rugby league in, in Wagga. 
Um, my last year at school, I got to play for the Australian Schoolboys, so mm, I was yes. quite fortunate, yeah. So uh, did your dad uh, play in the New South Wales Rugby League, or did he yeah, play he did. like that? Yeah, he was born in Sydney, so he was a South Sydney junior. Uh, right. Played with the juniors. Played, he played a couple of lower grade games at South Sydney uh, before, I think he was only about 20 or 19 or 20 when he left there and came down to Wagga. And Greg Haywick, who at the time was playing with, or had played with uh, South Sydney and and. So he took Dad down, a couple other players down, and to Wagga, and, and he ended up meeting my mother, and might end up staying there. So I think he fell in love with not only my mother but the town as well. So was Wagga like a rugby league? Uh, you know, they've got their own competition in Wagga as well. Is it is it a good sort of a competition down there? Yeah, yeah, it was. So they play in the country, like under New South Wales country. So it's Group Nine down there. Group Nine, okay. And so quite a number of good teams. So Wagga had, at the time, they had three uh, teams in Wagga, three rugby league teams. Then you played teams like Juni, Tamora, Harden, Young. Those sort of teams. So, um, yeah, but it, but it was made always a very strong comp. My old man, he played down there for a number of years. He captain coached uh, the Wagga Kangaroos, who I played for. Uh, he won a couple of comps there. He coached Riverina, coached Group 9, so and played for Riverina in Group 20, I think they were before they went to Group 9. Um, but, yeah, so uh, Muddy was a pretty handy footballer in his day. And do you remember sort of going to watch him play, like in Sydney? No, mate, no. Well, uh-huh. I was, when he was in Sydney, I wasn't born then, and he came down to Wagga and, and just stayed here in Wagga. And, I, I, you know, we went along to games, but I can't really remember watching him play. Yeah, right. And then did your brother, you're saying that your brother also played rugby league as well? Did he yeah, go on to... He did, yeah. So, uh, Scotty played, he came up to St George with me, followed me up like a year or two years later. Right. St George, played lower grades, played lower grades at the Knights for a number of years. Um, didn't unfortunately play first grade there, but mate, he was a pretty handy footballer too and played first grade quite a number of games down in Wagga. And he played in the forwards as well or was he... Like, no, he, he was a back, he was a 5'8", mate. So. Right. When you, like, how old were you when you first sort of started playing rugby league? Was it, was it at a young age? Or? Yeah, young age. I was five, mate, when I first started. And then you sort of played uh, schoolboys. Is yeah. that is that how how, how it well, started? Well, you played played sort of both. So down there, you played um, obviously junior rugby league with whichever club you chose. And obviously, we were with Wagga Kangaroos, so I played juniors with them. But you also played footy uh, for the school as well. So there was a competition during the year, which was called the Hardy Shield, which was played between um, the high schools down there. Then I also, well, said I wanted to sort of try and make the Australian schoolboys side. So to do that, yeah, and then had to go to like a country because I was in the Catholic system. So oh yes, um, so you went to try out for the country sort of Catholics team, and then you got selected in that, and then you played against other Catholic areas, uh, divisions or whatever they were, and then they picked the New South Wales Catholic Schools boys team, and then from that you played in the Australian Schoolboy Championships, and from that they then select a, a, an Australian Schoolboys team. And you were selected? Yeah, 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 I was, uh, which was quite fortunate. I actually, in the Schoolboys, the, like, which is New South Wales, Queensland, they have a Melbourne sort of team or a a combined team. There was an ACT team. I was fortunate enough, I got the player of the tournament for that. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, which was I was pretty happy with. That's great. And did you, like, were you always, like, a a forward? Were you always playing in the back row, or did you have Uh, a, you you know, was that uh, Yeah, mainly in the forwards, but I had a couple of stints playing 5-8, and, in fact, I got selected for the Wagga representative team. This is, like, first grade. Uh, in two trials, with Manly and Balmain came down and yeah, played right. played a Wagga rep team. Um, at the start, this was at the start of 1984, so the start of my last year at school. So I was only 17 then, and got picked at five eight. So played against and Balmain had a fair team, like they had Rage yeah. years and all and then, and Manly had a pretty fair team too, I think, as well. So. It's- uh, five eight was sort of like your preferred preferred spot. No, nah, like, lock, lock was, but I, lock was. No, I, I was happy to play wherever. Yeah, so yeah, I had, a, I had a bit of pace and a bit of a step and pass the ball. Okay, so yeah, so I was picked at five eight there for a couple of games. Because uh, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you also had some other like it wasn't uh, Peter Sterling from Model yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, been quite a few players, mate. Oh, Sterling, it's funny. Sterling was born in Toowoomba, so he's born in Queensland. Moved, oh right. Um, moved to Raymond Terrace, which is just up the road here in Newcastle, um, yeah. as a as a baby, and then I think he left there. His, his old man was in the police force, like with the police citizens. Youth club, and so he got moved from there to Wagga um, when Stella was about eight or nine. So, and then played with the Wagga Kangaroos, who I played with. Um, so there's been quite a number of good players come out. So Stella came out of there. The Mortimer brothers played with Turfy Park. They're all Wagga players. Who else? Oh, and then and then from like a cricket sort of side, it doesn't. Is it Mark Taylor? Is yeah, Mark, Mark Taylor. Taylor. Well, yeah, he was born in West Wyong, then came over and. Same thing when he was young, like his old man was in the bank. Then played in Wagga. Michael Slater's from there. Jeff Lawson's from there. Wow. Num- number, number of good Aussie rules players that come out of there. Mate Paul Kelly that played with the Swans. Um, yeah, and Carey, Wayne Carey that played with oh, them. Yeah. Melbourne. Yeah, so, mate, there have been some good sporting uh, players come out of there. What's in the water down there in Wagga? Yeah. <laughs> mate, just like a good country town. Like most country yeah. towns, I think, you know, everyone plays sport on the weekend. You get some good players that come out of it. So uh, why did you decide on rugby league? Was it because of your father's influence? Yeah, yeah or, the old man played, so he got us to yeah. play. And, you know, he, he was coaching us as a young kid. As I said, I started when I was five and, and um, mate, really enjoyed it, so... And, and were you sort of like a, a, a big five-year-old or was like a... a uh, no, I don't think I was huge, mate. I think I was just, you know, pretty average. I was yeah. as, as size-wise. Because we're talking about uh, like uh, when I when I come back before, a lot of the people were talking about, you know, like the, the kids uh, playing in the juniors, how, you know, there's a lot of uh, Polynesian uh, kids that are like... You know, 15, 15 16 stone yeah. at seven or eight years old, and it's sort of stopping the 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 the, uh, the little kids. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, so that's sort of like a big debate at the moment. What do you think about that? Is you know, because um, oh, you wouldn't well, have had those rules. No, that's right. I mean, I, I think there is a place probably for it, mm. but you know, if the, if that kid wants to, you know, the, the small kid that goes on and, and plays if he wants to continue playing at a higher level or that's um, right. as he gets older he's eventually got to tackle someone bigger than him that's right and, and i guess if you get if you talk the the basics you know learning how to tackle the correct way you know yep doesn't matter how big they are you know 
Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah, I, my young bloke, when he was in primary school, we went to a, um, he was playing in a rep school knockout thing and, and mate, there was a massive team from, this. so this is only year six, so it's 12, 13 years old. And mate, there was a Western Sydney team that mate, had a Polynesians. There was a kid there that was probably about six foot two and, <laughs> and about 100 kilo at, at 12 or 13 who mate, would struggle to run you know, 50 metres, but you you get him, you know, two metres out from the line, he's going to stop That's him. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally, I totally understand. So I don't think they've changed any of the rules in the juniors, but, uh, like, uh, the, the talks of, like, having, like, a weight a weight division or something? Yeah, like, they're, they're talking about They have done that in certain oh. uh, areas down in Sydney. Um, right. and, and they've changed a bit of footy, like, with regards to mini and mod, uh, mini footy and mod footy, there's no uh, now. There's no one playing for, you know, you don't play in the grand final or anything like that. There's no finals, so you just oh. play for the season. And I think they're also, you know, having uh, the league tag as well um, for those that you know don't want to get tackled or, or whatever mm. else. That's interesting. And, and the other thing too on the side of that is also that the touch touch footy uh as well that's become very very popular as well so you know they've got all different sort of options so you know i just hope that rugby league sort of continues to grow especially here in newcastle because you know we've always sort of relied on our our local competition and and for the knights as well so yeah that's right uh, let's hope it it continues to grow so so you, you made the australian schoolboys team and I do believe one of your coaches was actually uh, like a former Knights, a future Knights coach as well. Was yeah, it David Waite? That's right, yeah. David Waite was uh, my coach at the, with the Australian Schoolboys, who then became the reserve grade coach at the Knights the first year and then went on to be first grade coach, uh, I think, from 90 or sort of halfway through 91 through till I think, 93 or 4. But you got your first break into the... Uh, New South Wales Rugby League at that time? Yeah, it was. So yeah. at the time, so I, with the Australian Schoolboys, I had a number of offers from clubs in the Sydney Rugby League competition, yeah. and I ended up signing with St George. Um, and so I had three years at St George where I was fortunate enough. The first year I was at St George, we made the grand final in all three grades. I, wow. played, I played in the reserve grade grand final at the Sydney Cricket Ground and then stood by uh, to play in the first grade grand final but unfortunately didn't get on so back then with first grade they just had the 13 players and then the reserves were made up from players from either reserve grade or under 23s backing so, up yeah. yeah so there was no fresh reserves or anything like that is that is that what they still do in the local competition as well like, like, uh, like... no that well they don't know so they have um four fresh players oh, oh they have four reserves as well yeah, right yeah oh, okay I just remember some of my friends playing, like, they'll play, like, reserve grade, and then, then all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you hang around and, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, play, well, they play still first? do that. They still get players just in case, but, yeah, so that's the case. Right. And it says that you played eight games with, with the St. George first grade team. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right, yeah. In 86 and 87. So, you know, 
first game, your actual first game was 86. So tell, tell us what that experience was like running onto the field playing first grade. Yeah, well, it, was, it was interesting. It was actually a second comp game of the year. So I played pretty well in the in the, off in the trial games. And then uh, I think we played South Sydney was the first game of the year. And then I played, played well in, um, I think I was playing in reserve grade that day. Um, and played pretty well, scored a couple of tries. Um, and then our first grade team got beat by South Sydney. And so the next week we were playing Parramatta at Parramatta. It was the first ever game at the brand new Parramatta Stadium when they built it. So right. they knocked Cumberland Oval down and um, built the brand new Parramatta Stadium. So so I got picked to play in that. I, got, I played second row that game, which I was a bit dirty at because I'm not sure why I played there, although Roy said later, Roy Masters, who was our coach, said, oh, I picked you there to sort of look after you and whatever anyway. So, <laughs> but, I, but I ended up getting the shepherd's hook at half time and I think we got beat 36-6 that day. So, oh. So, yeah, so we scored the first try. Mick O'Connor, I think, scored it off an intercept. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, mate, they were red hot. And they ended up winning the comp that year, Parramatta, which was the last yeah, time right. they won the comp. Yeah, that the old Parramatta in, in that in that mid-'80s were very, very... Yeah, they, they had a pretty fair side, mate. So. Yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah, so in 87, and then... You know, how did it all go about, you know, with talks with, with with the Knights? How did that all come about? Was it after the 87 season had finished? No, it was actually during the year. So I, I ended up with a few injuries. Like the first year I played it in 85, played every game, played mostly in 23s, finished year in reserve grade. Um, the second year I had a couple of injuries and same with the third year. So having being a boy from the bush, I wasn't that keen on Sydney. So yes. I got in, well, David Wade actually got in touch with me and said, oh, listen, I'm going to coach up in Newcastle next year. And, and then Newcastle, Brisbane and the Gold Coast were coming in to the competition yes. at the beginning of 88. So I, Wade had rung me and said, can we meet with you? So I ended up meeting with him and Macca and sort of spoke about Newcastle. I said, well, I haven't really been to Newcastle. So he said, oh, we'll bring you up for a look. And in the meantime, I'd spoken with the Gold Coast and I was pretty close oh, to right. signing with them. So, you know, given the money they offered and that sort of thing. So I ended up going up to Newcastle having a look around. I thought, yeah, it looks pretty good. And I ended up deciding on Newcastle on the basis that they were going to sign young blokes. Right. Um, not sign older blokes. So their idea was sign blokes with the three Ts. And so that was, you know, you had to be tough. You had to be able to tackle and they, you had to have plenty of tomorrows, meaning they were young blokes. So, whereas the Gold Coast were signing blokes at their end of their career, yeah. And I thought, yeah, well, I'll, I'll stick with Newcastle. So, so was the money that. the the money uh, more in the Gold Coast than, than Newcastle? Yeah, well, I only wanted to sign a year at a time, which I used to do right. with my contracts early on. So, because right. I backed myself to play well and then get signed for more the next year. So at the time, the Gold Coast offered me uh, then was a hundred grand for three years so so that but that's thirty three thousand a year basically where and I said oh yeah okay so I was keen on that obviously but um and then the Knights ended up saying oh, I said look I only want to sign a one-year contract at a time so yeah. I signed for 35 with the Knights and and actually then the next year I signed for 40 
Uh, thus, then there was match payments and all that sort of thing. But it, that, that second year in '89, I only played two first grade games because I got injured a fair oh. bit. And then at the end of the year, um, my old man rang me and said, "Oh, Michael Little have been in touch with him, and they're not that keen to sign you." So I ended up saying, "Oh shit, I've got no other option." So yeah. I ended up signing with the Knights, but I signed for ten grand plus even Vincennes and whatever else, which I ended up getting in the end because I played every game that year. Right. So that that first that first year where you signed for thirty five, I mean, that in, in like eighty eight, that's not a bad yeah, yeah. sort of contract. Well, but it was good money then. Yeah. Yeah. Really but and then and then you like considering it now, like uh, you know, Callum Pong has been offered like one point one million dollars. Yeah. yeah, just to a little bit more. <laughs> so. I'm always interested to to know about you know you see you see the players now and they're like such professional athletes and they're all ripped and all that. So, what was the sort of like training regime, like the training schedule in, in those days? Well, I mean, um, it was, it was, I mean, pretty similar to probably most footy clubs. Really, then you, we trained yeah. Tuesday, uh, Thursday, and Friday or Saturday morning, depending where you played. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Tuesday night you'd get smashed fitness wise. Yeah. So, mate, to be honest, we were fit as. Whereas these days now, it's all about oh, not overloading you and all that sort of stuff. And and they check on how much you know how you're going as far as K's are concerned, and you know how much you've run, how much you, especially on the weekend if you've played, etc. Whereas, mate, we used to pre seasons were horrendous. You just got absolutely hammered. Yes. And then during the season, I said Tuesday night was always fitness and then a bit of ball work and skill stuff. And then Thursday night was sort of ball work and then Friday a light run through or Saturday morning was a light run through. So that was about it, yeah, during the and, year. And it, it, it always sort of, you know, I always forget, like, watching the old school games, like, from the 80s and 90s, it's been a lot on Fox at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, you watch the game and the guy scores the try. Like uh, I saw yeah, yeah. Uh, Fred Fitless go, yep. Freddie Fitless score a try, and then it said, uh, you know, he's an apprentice, yeah. apprentice, or you know, the other guys like uh, worked for the post office, or yep. you know, it actually come up with their their, their full time occupation. So, did you have a full? Did they give you like work as well? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I worked as well, mate. So I was a real estate agent. Yeah, I thought you were. Yeah, yeah. So, Dowling, Dowling, yeah, really? With Dowling, yeah, yeah, on the ads, I remember. Yeah. So I did that for about ten years, mate. So worked and played. And it was funny. By the end of my time with the Knights, which was '97, obviously my last year, but with Super League coming in in '90, sort of five, '96, um, most of the players, I think, all but two or three of us were were still working. So so everyone else was then full time time right yeah, yeah it's, it's just interesting to see that so you you start with the knights you know that that first the first couple of years i, I remember my, my dad taking me to all the games sitting on the hill whether it was uh you know pouring rain or yeah. you know and especially going to watch uh you know my memories of it uh you know uh having the brisbane brisbane come down with wally lewis and uh, uh king wally uh, wally's a wanker and... yeah. wally, wally, um, they, that first year i think 
when they came and played, I think they printed a heap of T-shirts and, and Wally's a wanker. Or yeah, that's right. T-shirts, yeah. Yeah, and, but I, I just I just remember, and I'm sure you can uh, talk about this uh, in in more detail. But I, I just got I just remember going to the games and just being drawn in, even as a kid. You know, it didn't matter to me whether you. You know, you weren't winning too many games to be no. to be fair at that time. No. But I still wanted to go every single week because you guys just put in a hundred percent. And like these teams will be coming from Sydney and from Canberra. You know, there's Parramatta and Manly and St George and yep. Canberra. They're all such you know talented teams, and we would try so hard. You know, <laughs> we'd we'd put in a hundred percent. We'd smash them. Absolutely smash them. Uh, you know, you know, if you come to a Knights game, you knew you were going to be in a fight, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, that was the case, I think, with most of the teams. I mean, they when they came up to Newcastle, they thought, shit, we're probably going to win the game, but we're in for a hard day. Yeah. Uh, I see, I remember uh, Steve Roach and, and Wayne Pierce. they've been on there saying, every time they see uh, playing Newcastle at Newcastle, it's like, man, we're in for a, <laughs> we're in for. A That's it. So, yeah. do you have any sort of uh, any any vague sort of memories uh, of those times? Oh yeah, mate, really do. I mean, it was funny that even that that first of a game that we sort of played, which was the the Herald, what's called the Newcastle Herald Shield, which was yeah. that tradition of uh, in Newcastle years gone by the. the the, the premier team, like whoever on the premiership in the Newcastle comp, would play. The, oh, actually, sorry, a combined Newcastle rep team would play the premiers from the the NRL or the New South Wales Rugby League comp that they had. So um, they still did that uh, in '88. Then, so at the start of '88, Manly came up in that game, and they thought they'd obviously won the comp in '87. Mate, had a really good team. And so, mate, we actually give it to him. So, That's right. And and beat him. And, and it was wasn't until that game that I thought, shit, I made the right decision to come to Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. And and speaking of which, the coach at that time was Alan McMahon. Yeah. Um, tell us tell us a little bit about his sort of coaching style and what he meant to the team. Yeah, oh, mate, Macca was a great fella. Um, mate, he was hard, but a fair bloke. So. Um, you know, he, he, he was obviously a fair player in his day too, so played for Australia. Um, yeah. And he was only a young coach when he was coaching us. I think he was 31 um, when he coached us that first year in 88. But he was, um, he expected, I guess, a lot from his players to, to give their all, um, which I think we did. Now, we had that, that saying of be the player everyone wants to play with within the team. And, you know, I guess Maka, he was a fairly astute coach too in this fact that, when he had us in that first year, he knew we had a, he had a young side. There wasn't a lot of experience in the side, so he said, "Well, you know, I can't let them do too much. You know, otherwise scores will blow out. People won't be happy, etc." So he made sure defensively we were the best we could be, so that there wasn't too many blowout scores that we played. Not to mention, you know, I think we won uh, three or so, three or four games that first year, and I remember. I think we had to beat North Sydney to avoid the wooden spoon in our last home game, you know, and we give it to them that day. Yes. 
So we we didn't end up getting the wooden spoon, which which was pretty fair effort in the first year, I thought. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, uh, the one thing that, that I also remember is uh, it didn't matter whether you were coming down the bottom or not, there was still 25,000, 30,000. You know, uh, I remember sometimes that they would announce like a, a low crowd mm. and everybody would just go, boo! <laughs> it was always less, mate. It was always less. Than what yeah. I, and I think that was, of course, then, like with the money that they were getting through the gate, they were... I don't know whether they had to pay tax or something on it, yeah. but there was something along those lines. Or something to the New South Wales Rugby League or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. But I remember times where I had to sit in the trees to watch yeah. the game. If you turned up late, you know, there was like... Yeah. And it, I don't think the, the newer sort of Knights fan sort of realises that every single week that ground was packed, yeah, you know. it was. And for the, for the big games, it was interesting, like... Because the under-23s who played then reserve grade, under-23s would kick off at probably, whatever, 10 o'clock in the morning or something. But if there was about 5,000 there then in the crowd, you knew it was going to be a big crowd. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yep. And <laughs> it's just funny, like, um, my pop would be, like, a bit of a... He'd, he'd uh, they'd open the gates at half time, so he'd come yeah. in and <laughs> that's it, you didn't have to pay after half time. Oh, Pop. <laughs> so, with the injuries as well, like you were saying in '89, you had some injuries. So, what was that injury in particular? And can you tell us about some of the major ones? I saw a picture there where um, you had stitches in your head, and yeah, yeah. Like, there was a few of those. So. What, what was that one? Well, I had well the one in the head. I um, it was funny. It was two years in a row, about the same time. I think it was about eighty five, and then eighty. Oh, sorry, ninety five and ninety six. I busted my cheekbone on one side, and then got it operated on. Got a couple of plates in it, and then I did it badly on the right one, and end up um, end up with four plates in it. And that, but they had to cut me from like one side of my ear, so almost halfway to my head, and then peel the face down and put the plates in that way so um but yeah i i when i was at st george in 87 i had that uh, knee reconstruction so i ended up tearing my acl my medial and my lateral ligament in mm. the knee. so i had a um, knee reconstruction in that then in 89 i what to do i broke a bone in my uh, foot i think broke a bone in my hand I think I had torn. So you can go torn, through the body, I think. Yeah, tore my medial ligament. So I, ended up, I think I played, as I said, played two first grade games in '89, but I, think I played about 10 or so in reserve grade that, that year. So right. it wasn't the best year that year. Uh, so it says here 188 games for the, for the Newcastle Knights. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And. We had like uh, so, some characters in that time. I remember Sammy Stewart, uh, yep. the captain. Yes. Uh, tell us a little was, bit about Sammy. Mate, he, he was a great fella, Sam. Real, real good fella, mate. Trained like you wouldn't believe. He was just a fitness fanatic. Um, yeah. But And he was obviously captain that, that first year, and I think second year. But, mate, really led uh, the club really well. And we had quite a number of Kiwi players that, that we signed as well that year. So, mate, he was a real good fella, Sam, um, and still is. And, is he still uh, in Newcastle? No, he's not, mate. He lives up the Gold Coast now. Oh, right. Okay. But, yeah, mate, a, a great fella, Sam, and he, he still looks as fit as ever, too. Mate, he yeah. hasn't changed much at all. Wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me one bit, one bit. Yeah. 
And then uh, we go we go along uh, through through the years into the early nineties. Uh, crowds are still huge, but the one thing that that I, I sort of noticed through the years there in the nineties that you just kept getting that one or two extra uh, international player or rep player. You know, Mark Sargent yep. came in, yep. uh, Hagen came in, yep. and, and you just kept developing your, your juniors as well. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in the midnight, in, in, uh, like the early, it was the Johns brothers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, then, but, but then, we always had some some great yeah. juniors. I mean, that, and that's the beauty of back then when we had under under twenty threes in reserve grade. And unfortunately now, you you know you don't see that. You really only go to the game and there's one game on, um, which is unfortunate, I think. Um, you know, because you know, you should, I guess the crowd would go to the game and see all these good junior players coming up through the system. Definitely. And I think that was partly the reason, uh, you know, why they kept coming back because they were all local. The majority of the team were local juniors. So, and I think that's, I don't know, maybe it's my opinion, but like in the later, you know, uh, when we were losing a lot of games, you know, I think that's partly the reason why the crowds weren't going there. Like, you know, they, they they brought in Wayne Bennett and yep. you know um, you know Darius Boyd and yeah. you know that that sort of period where it was like you know what these guys aren't sort of putting in hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, uh, so 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 anyway, getting back to uh, that, those times where we have like uh, the Johns brothers, you know the immortal uh, Andrew Johns. So this is the sort of period uh, you know that's that really started picking up you, you got uh do you believe it was robbie o davis around that time as well yeah. so so when did you sort of start feeling that you know this team is you know starting to to come along well i mean it was funny sort of we had a pretty fair team like in 92 we made the the semi-finals for the first ever time and, yes and i, I reckon we could have I probably should have made the grand final that year. I think we were robbed when we played St George and got beat three two in the semi. But um, but I reckon we could have challenged Brisbane that year to, to maybe get a chance to win the comp. Um, but we knew we had some good young juniors coming through. So you know from '92 onwards, um, we thought it was going to be some pretty good years. And and obviously the fact that they went out and got um, Mal really as a coach too when Mal yes. came. Absolutely. So when did he come in? Was that 94 or 95? Uh, no, it was, it was in 95. 95, yeah, right. Getting in 95. And so, and Mal had a reputation as a hard coach and yeah. uh, and a mad fitness fanatic. And so, 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 yeah, how is he different to uh, Alan McMahon? Oh, well, David Waite was in there. That yeah, yeah, well. Waitey yeah. was in there. So, um, yeah, well, Waitey was more, you know, being a school teacher, he, he was more, I suppose, both talking about the finer points of the game and you know that that sort of thing around the skills of the game, whereas Macca was more around you know Basham and that sort of thing, the way they played him. And, and I guess Mal really, to a degree, as a coach, mate, he well he was smart enough to recognise that he had Matthew and Andrew Johns pretty much running the team, so he he didn't have to change too much. He let them have a bit of the you know bit of control of the team, etc., and and to how we were going to play. Yeah right, and and that that was that stage pit as well where um, Chief was he, was he the captain around around this time? Well, Mark Sargent was, and then Mark Sargent, yes, and then Sarge, 
he sort of demoted Sarge and put Chief in charge as, as captain, I think. And Sarge got, I think, pissed off with Mal. Yeah, right. And, yeah. mate, they still don't talk much at all today if they see each other. So, mate, yeah, that's, right. yeah it's, it's interesting. Yeah, Mark Sargent was a great player as well. Like he, he was, mate. For Australia yeah. as well, yeah. one of our first international yeah, he, players. He was the first one, mate, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we go we go along there, and then so I think in '96 and '95 you got to the finals as well, but you just didn't get to that. You know, yeah, we, just... we did. We made the semis in '95, I think it was, and yeah. mate, unfortunately we got beat. I'm just trying to think. I can't remember who beat us, but I... we got knocked out of the semi. I remember actually going to the game uh, where you beat Cronulla, you know, the field goal. Yeah, that, that's right. Well, it was funny because I'd broken my cheekbone the week before and the game before that. And we right. played Cronulla in the first semi, so I was out of it. But I'd had my me, me cheekbone operated on with a couple of plates in. I, I was keen to play, after, especially after they beat Cronulla in the semi, so I ended up playing in that game we got beat by I'm just trying to remember who it was I think it was I don't know whether it was Manly or not I can't recall but but anyway we we got beat but I I, I played in that game unfortunately we got yeah. beat but yeah so then so then the 97 uh 97 okay we well, got to the 97 so what a what a great got a great see what a great season what a great year so but before that that was the the super league sort of war there so yeah, that's um, right. can you tell us a little bit about that because the mariners came in there at that stage we didn't know what was going on as a fan do I do I stay loyal to the Knights or do I you know go and support this other team? Do I support both the teams? And, and for you as a player as well, um, you know it was all up in the air. So was, can you tell us a little bit about that? Mate, it was really really interesting times actually. So it broke in in '95, I think, sort of Super League, sort of '96, '95. Anyway, the the day it all happened, sort of we were. We were due to play Parramatta down at Parramatta. I'm sure this is 95. So, but they, they uh, the coaches and everything kept, made sure there was no phone calls and stuff through to our rooms. So, um, right. anyway, we, we, we finished and got home on the bus. And then, you know, we were hearing stories about, you know, other teams being signed, etc. So we, anyway, our club called a, a meeting with us all on the Tuesday after that game, anyway, and said, um, you know, this is it, Super League's here, um, News Limited, they're keen to talk to us, we, we're keen to go with them, and, and our club wanted to go with Super League, yeah, obviously for yeah, the money, because right. they were struggling mm. financially, so at the time then they said, oh look, um, and I reckon they... They probably might have got us over the line if they had sent some heavies, but they, you know, people that we knew, but instead they sent a couple of people that no one knew. Uh, anyway, that, so Robert Finch, and who was the third grade coach, Finchy was sort of helping sort of make offers as well as whoever was there from Super League. And it was funny what they did when, when I went in to see them, they sort of saw everyone, made them an offer, etc. Um, they asked me, well, how much do you want? Wow. And I said, well, no, you, you tell me how much you will pay. And they said, no, no, you tell us how much you want. And I said, well, I was reading at the time then, like, so players like Bradley Clyde and Laurie Daly and Ricky Stewart getting 600 grand from Super League. So I said, wow. oh, okay. So I said, well, I want 600 grand. They went, oh, oh geez, well, you can't have that. So, 
<laughs> you, you asked me what I wanted. Yeah, that's right. Um, and so they ended up offering me bugger all, really. And so for whatever reason, they didn't want to sign a few of us older blokes at the Knights. So right. Butts, myself, Robbie McCormack, whatever. So I said, well, stuff you then. I won't be signing. So yes. And so I ended up speaking to the ARL, and we hadn't really spoken. Nothing happened. So here our club was presenting News Limited. In the meantime, Chief had spoken to News Limited, and they'd made him an offer, and he'd also spoken to the ARL and made an offer, and then he made a decision to sign. So he came back up, and we said, Chief, mate, what's going on? Our club want to go to Super League, and we don't know what's going on. We haven't heard from the ARL. So he rang... John Quayle or Ken Arthurson, whoever it was, and said, listen, we haven't heard from you guys, what's happening? I said, oh, well, come down. Anyway, Chief was going down to sign his contract, and we went down with him. That's when we all sort of got on the bus, went down there, and then Ken Arthurson came and saw us and said, oh, what's happening? He said, well, our club want to go to Super League. We don't want to go, or we haven't heard from you guys. He said, well, go back up, we'll send someone up. We went up, and Phil Gould came up then spoke to to us and said, okay, he's had an offer from Super League and everyone put their hand up. So I went in and saw him. When I saw him, he said, well, how much did they offer you? And I, I think at the time they offered me 120, but I could they wouldn't guarantee me I'd be in Newcastle. I, saw, I, was, on, I was on 100 that year, and so it was bugger all extra. So I said to Phil, oh, they've offered me 200. Or 220, I think it was. He said, oh, we'll give you 250. So, <laughs> so I said, beauty. Thanks. <laughs> so signed with them. But yeah, it was it was sort of interesting times, mate. The money that was getting thrown around was just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy times. So and then so then the the actual the Knights signed with the, the ARL. Yeah, and, we did. Uh, so the majority of players we all signed with them with the ARL. Right. Luckily Matthew and Andrew and there was quite a number of players that ended up signing with Super League and and so, obviously, they were dirty that we didn't go to Super League. So they said, well, stuff you. Well, the Super League said, we'll start our own team in, in Newcastle, which was obviously in 97. They yeah. kicked off and we had the split comp then. But, you know, and I guess if people say, well, you only won it because it was half a comp. And I say to that, well, Manly were the gun team. That made, made the grand final in 95 and 96 and won it in 95, I think. And obviously in '97, so you know we still played the best team to win the comp. Yeah, absolutely. And it, w- it wasn't just uh, you know Manly as well. You had North Sydney that yeah. were, were strong there, uh, Parramatta, right. St yep. George. So yep. you know they had some fair teams in, the, in that in that uh, competition still. And, and what did you think of the Mariners? I mean, they only had one year there, but a, a lot of them were the Storm players. In, in the end, they sort of went yeah, from the Mariners crazy. to the Storm. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, there were some good players there, and, and unfortunately, we lost quite a number of the good players to, to them anyway. You know, players like Brett mm. Morley, yes. Marquette went there, Brad Godden went there, Mark Sargent for a year. Yeah, those, those sort of players. And, and Mick Hagen went over, and I think he was an assistant coach there. And, okay. Graham Murray, who coached the Mariners, and Muzz was a great fellow. He coached me when I was over in Leeds. Oh, great! Yes. So, yeah. So we'll get, good, we'll, good get to, we'll get to that as well. So yeah, we get to the '97 Grand Final. We're with the ARL. So from from my memory is that at the start of the season, Andrew Johns didn't play the start of that season. So it was off to a not a not a good start. Your playmakers yeah. out. Yeah, well, he but, played a couple of games, then got injured. Um, oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. 
But the guy that stood up for it, it took his place, Leo Denever. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people probably don't know who Leo Denever is, but I think if we didn't have him play as good as he did, oh. I, I don't think we would have won. Yeah, know. we wouldn't have got the grand final, mate. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he was outstanding for us. I mean, Leo, we'd sort of never heard of Leo. He came, I think they gave him an opportunity. I think he was from up the north coast uh, right. way. And, mate, he just had a season that you wouldn't believe. And, and to his credit, um, you know, obviously he was probably disappointed he didn't play in the semis or in the grand final. But And obviously Andrew took his spot. But... Mate, he, without him, we don't get to that grand final or make the semis even. Yeah, definitely. He had a fantastic season. And going through that, that season, and I'm sure for everybody, even our international listeners, there was a tackle that you made, Mark, on Craigfield, I do believe. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, especially for Australian people, <laughs> you've probably seen it, but for my international listeners, if you haven't seen this, go on YouTube and search uh, Mark Glanville hit on Craig Field. It is a bone rattle. <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. Was it just like perfect timing, you know, yeah, the right pretty, place at the right time? You know? Pretty much, mate. I, I, um, I remember... Because Nick Kosef was at first receiver, and I was sort of obviously a bit wide, and and then I just rushed up knowing Craig was going to get the ball, and just happened to be all make good timing really. <laughs> and, we, and it wasn't a great pass from Nick either, because he it was a hot little pass. Because he he threw it and sort of he had to get in the air a bit for it, and as he got in the air, that's when I, I just and I couldn't really remember too much of it because because when I tackled him, I drove him and and my head hit the ground. When I drove oh. him into the ground, so I got a few stars and whatever else, and got up and it was a bit wobbly. But yeah, so I didn't really think too much about. It. I couldn't remember too much of it until I saw the news that night. So. <laughs> oh, what a hit! That's one of the best hits, and that'll be on the the highlight <laughs> reels for a long, long time. Don't worry about that. So we go through the '97 uh, season and. Uh, we, we get to the semi-finals. We had a we had a good season. I think we we're in the top four, definitely. Yep. I'm not ex- actually sure where, where where we finished up. We get to the game against North Sydney in the semi-finals. Yeah. And this could have went either way, Mark. Uh, tell us about that. This game yeah, leading up to the grand final. It was. I mean, we we were sort of dominant for the first half, and and even the second half, we, we were doing things pretty easy, and then. All of a sudden, North Sydney scored a couple of tries, and and then we, I think we were only in front by about two points. And then there was about probably about 15 minutes to go, and they've made a break down the sideline. And mate, Darren Albert makes the best tackle you've ever seen. So I think that's also on the highlight reel as well, right? It is, mate. Um, and Albert, mate, is because he was unbelievably quick and. Um, for him to get from one side of the field to the other and tackle him in into the corner and into touch, I mean, thank God, because otherwise I reckon North Sydney end up having that momentum and they probably would have yeah, won the game, I'd say. Definitely. It was Matt Sears too, wasn't it? I mean, he's yeah, yeah. out. He's no, that's right. Either. Well, we, we were lucky. So as Matt gets the ball and takes off, he sort of half slips and goes down to his knee and then gets up again and goes. Right. If he doesn't do that, he probably scores. But Yes. 
but yeah, it was an incredible tackle from Alvy and the pace of that Alvy showed to, to get across there to tackle him is just amazing. And that and that game was almost worthy of a grand final as well. That was, you know, going back and forth and, you know, you were in the lead and Norse had scored, you know, so, but uh, yeah, the Knights did win, um, great win. We get to the grand final. It's the first for, for, for Newcastle. I can just remember just being so excited, like the the whole environment and, and the atmosphere in Newcastle was just amazing. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the whole you know, coming up to the grand final that week before. Well, yeah, it was a pretty hectic week, I suppose. And and Mal actually wanted to take us away from Newcastle. Really? Yeah, like to get away from it all because he thought we from be, the media from be yeah distracted and stuff. So, but we said no, we want to we want to you know, soak up the atmosphere in Newcastle and stay here. So we tried to keep things as normal as possible. I, mean, I still went to work, etc. And But, yeah, it was amazing. Like, at, at um, every training session we had, there was probably, you know, a couple of thousand people there watching and, you know, the media were there everywhere. And then Thursday we had to go down. We actually, I think, went down Wednesday. We had training session Wednesday. Went down Wednesday afternoon to Sydney because they had the grand final breakfast on Thursday morning. Yeah. So they put us up in a hotel for it and then we had the breakfast in the morning. So we had to be up early, I think, up about five and do the breakfast. Then we got on the bus and went back to Newcastle, had a, had a run on the Friday. Uh, and then Saturday, uh, we got the bus. It was amazing Saturday when we, we sort of all got to the ground to get on the bus to go down to Sydney. Well, it was probably about 5,000 people. I reckon at the ground, like in the car park there for us. Yes. And, then, and then when we left on the bus on the way out along Newcastle Road, heading out the Walls End and the Link Road, mate, there was people everywhere just on the on the side of the road waving flags and cheering us on, holding signs up and everything. It was just, just amazing. And, I, I mate, there was probably a bit of a tear from, you know, us older blokes that had been there from day one, so players like Chief and myself, etc. But, yeah. yeah. of course... We could see how much it meant to the people. Definitely. Yeah. yeah so. We're going through some pretty tough times financially, and you know, BHP, you know, closing yeah, down as well. Right. So financially, it was a bit of a, a bit of a down for, for for Newcastle. But you know, my my dad still lives on Newcastle Road, <laughs> so um, I can still remember you know uh, waving the flag there and waiting yeah. for the bus to go past. You yeah, know? <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable how many people yeah. were there. And people were still you know even down the Link Road there you know getting onto the highway there was still people like yeah. you know down there as well so yeah it was such a uh, um and we just had to win it you know <laughs> yeah well that's, that's what we said when we saw all that we just said we can't come back without it yeah you guys just like you know you got to do it and, and during that year i don't think you beat manly in in, in the no, whole season we had we lost actually 10 games against manly and, and wow. that, that year we played I think we played Manly four times and hadn't beaten them. So we played them in a trial game up at Coffs Harbour at the start of, start of the season. We played them in two comp games that year, got beaten those, played them in the semi-final and got beaten that, and then we were playing them in the grand final. So we played, like, there was four games that year we got beat by them and we, the ten all up that we hadn't beaten them for. So, so yeah, yeah then they... 
they got away to a pretty good start too. Yeah, because Sydney, Sydney was like everybody was picking obviously Manly except for you know the people living in Newcastle. But uh, everybody, I remember the quotes saying, you know, my brain says Manly, but my heart says Newcastle. Yeah. And yeah, that uh, was the case, mate. The amount of people at the game, um, it was probably ninety or ninety-five percent of them going for us. Yeah. Um, even if they supported other teams, you know. So. It was a love-hate for Manly. So what was the actual game plan uh, that Mal sort of gave to you to, to sort of beat Manly? Because I'm always interested to hear about this because, like, watching the game again, you guys came out and you just absolutely just took it to them and you're smashing them, Carol. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is that is was that the main game plan, to get in their face and actually, you know, rip in? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he, Mal, was around, you know, their forward pack. You got to stop their forward pack. And so, and I think he said to Chief, mate, you don't get set off in grand finals. And <laughs> Chief went out there and, mate, was destroying them. So, mate, it was, it was good from that point of view. And um, obviously, you know, the, the game plan, trying to, you know, like all games really, it's, it's about having as much football as you can and denying the opposition the footy and, and tackling well. So defensively, I think, uh, wasn't too bad, although there was a couple of tries that we let in which weren't great. But the good thing was, mate, in the second half, they didn't score a point in that second half. So yeah, defensively, it was, it was really good. And for you on a personal side, do you, were you nervous uh, playing that grand uh, final running out there? A little, just... little bit leading up to it, but, but yeah, mate, I was looking forward to it. I mean, it was my last ever game from the club, but... Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, and it was quite a warm day too. So, yeah, mate, I was just sort of soaking up the atmosphere and, and trying to enjoy myself. Yeah, and uh, we get to the end of the game, you know, 15 seconds to go. So where where were you on the field? Were you? Well, I actually got. Um, so we'd scored a try, which Robbie Howard scored, which oh, great try, goal, which made it 16 all. So it kicked off to me, and I caught the ball and took it up and. When I got tackled, I dislocated my finger. So oh. I put my hand up, came off, got it put back in. I said, I'll go back on in, in extra time. So I was on the sideline, unfortunately. When, right. When, they, when you know, Joey went down the side and threw it back into Albie to score. So And I was a bit dirty. I was on the sideline then too because Joey was looking for me to take the key goal. Oh, right. It was my last ever game and, and that was it. It was full time then. So And it wouldn't have mattered if I missed or not. So, yeah. so I was dirty that I was on the sideline because I had been on the ground. I would have kicked the goal and the goal, well, hopefully right. kicked the goal and and scored two points in the grand final. Well, speaking of which, and, and sorry to go off topic, but it says in your uh, stats that you had one field goal in, in this season as well. Yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think I was at the game. <laughs> we were playing Parramatta. I yeah. say, say it was to win the game, but <laughs> we were actually winning 24-10, I think it was. And right. it was, we were attacking their line. There was, uh, and the ball was getting tossed around and, and it came to me and the siren sort of gone. And so I just potted it over, mate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Awesome. And so the Knights win the 97 grand final. What an achievement. You know, were your family there all to watch? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, my old man wasn't. He was, he was over living in the states uh, at the time, so he unfortunately wasn't there. But I think my sister had came up for it, and some friends of ours, my wife, and I had two kids at the time, so they were only young. But 
Yeah, so man, it was just it was just incredible afterwards. I mean, the game <laughs> well, the game kicked off at three or a bit after three and finished at sort of five o'clock. And I reckon we didn't get into the sheds till probably seven o'clock. Yeah. So, so yeah. doing that lap of honour and the amount of people that were still there. Yeah. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, coming back, um, you know, everybody's waiting for you back in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, it was incredible that trip back. So we were on the bus on the way home, all excited. I think I stood up the whole way and we were <laughs> drinking beers, etc. Yeah. Um, but we get to the turn-off to get on the M1 or M3, it was known as then. Um, and there was a heap of people there waiting for us and all bippiness as we went past. So on the freeway, people are going past us. Obviously, Novocastrian's heading back home and they're all bipping and waving flags, etc. The Rimba roundabout, because they hadn't completed the um, freeway then, so it was still there. Like, there would have been probably 50 people on the Rimba roundabout waving flags, wow. etc. Uh, and then when we get to the link road here at Newcastle, Walls in there, and every roundabout was chockers with people just waving flags all the way. Uh, we get down to Walls End where the shell surveys are. Yeah. And at the lights end, and we're, by this time we've got a police escort. So we're, we're pulled up at the lights, and then Joey and Matt Johns get off the bus, and they jump up on top of the cop car, and they've got a night's flag each, and they're waving around. Mate, the crowd's going mad. So then, so it took us an hour from Walls End to get from there into um, the workers' club. The workers' club, yeah. Yeah. Wow, and then and then again, you're jumping on the, you know, the guys were jumping on the bus and yeah. crowd surfing into oh. the into the. Well, that was the thing, mate. When we got there, the, the amount of people that were out the front, they're banging on the bus, and I think a couple of them cracked a window or whatever. But to get out of there and then upstairs into the auditorium, mate, there was people just jam packed everywhere in there. It was it was just amazing. It was probably you know ten thousand people out the front of the workers' club. Yeah, it's just amazing. You the next next is it the next couple of days I think it was next week you it was the big uh, like um, ceremony and uh, yeah, you know, well, we, you had, we had um, so Tuesday we had a ticket tape parade that's the one we had our yeah. mad, mad Monday on the Monday <laughs> which we were going to go to Manly to do but luckily <laughs> we didn't <laughs> that would have been <laughs> awesome <laughs> um, but we so we end up. Um, we did our Mad Monday. Then on the Tuesday, it was a ticket tape parade. So we started it because we were sponsored by Stockland then. So we started at Stockland, Jesmond. Uh, yeah, Jesmond. Yeah. And so we were all in sort of open top cars and stuff. And so went from there up Newcastle Road, all the way into town, and then up Arna Street. And then we stopped at the Civic uh, or at the Council Chambers or Town Hall. And mate, there would have been. Feeding like 15,000 people, I reckon, in in Civic Park. You could not see one blade of grass. There was people yeah. just jammed in everywhere. Yeah. Um, we got presented to the crowd. The, the Jets. Uh, the Jets, that's it. Yeah, yeah Screaming Jets. Jets did a concert, so we were all on stage with them. Yeah. Um, and they're good fellas, so luckily we knew them all right. So, mate, it was, it was only then Joey and Matt were diving into the crowd and stuff. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> mate, it was, yeah. it was unreal. How long did that go for? How long did the sort of like the partying go for? Well, we, we end up went to a pub and well, I think I got a, a cab home again at about <laughs> five or six in the morning then, and then I I, well, I had a day off. I had done enough. Yeah. Day, <laughs> so the Wednesday we had off, and then Thursday we were back on it because they this went. Oh, the Thursday we were going to go to Manly, 
And I said, no, no, we didn't. So we ended up getting a bus up to... Who, who, who kept saying to go down to Manly? Oh, the boys were, just to go down. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't. But we, yeah. ended up, we ended up getting a bus, got it up to Cessnock and did a, a bit of a pub crawl up there to the valley. Yeah. <laughs> All the people up there. So, mate, it was a good day too. And then the Friday night, I think we had... The ten year reunion, like the old boys. So we oh yes, yes, there, yes. And then, and then Saturday was on. And it was mate. It was just full on, really. <laughs> full on again, Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and at, at this stage, had, had you already signed with the Leeds Rhinos? Yeah, or, I had. So yeah. I, I knew that was going to be my last year with the club. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I was looking forward to, go, to going over there. So. So um, was, was that your more or your decision? Or yeah. Yeah. No, my there? decision, mate. I. I'd sort yeah. of had enough by then. I knew probably I was all oh, those younger people coming through, and I was looking for another talent. So yeah, yeah ten years—that was long enough. Yeah, amazing career with the Knights, and then going to Leeds Rhinos. Uh, normally, that's sort of a, like a money a money day for you know people that go over there. So, w- w- like, was it financially viable over there? Yeah, mate. Yeah, financially it was good. So. Uh, mm worth going to and I and I only wanted to go for two years and but yeah. I always wanted to play over in Eng- England and I wasn't sure which club to and I'd spoken to Mal during the year and Mal sort of arranged to uh, for me to see someone or speak to someone and, and Gary Hetherington who's the chief executive officer of the Leeds Rhinos he right. came he came out that year looking for players and Mal had been in touch with him so I had met with um, Gary during the year and, and was keen to sign and so ended up signing a contract with him. Yeah, right. And tell us a little bit about that experience there. You, you were there for two, two years. Uh, yeah, mate, it, was, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed myself there. I mean, when I signed, Leeds hadn't, hadn't appointed a coach at the time and they, they'd been struggling, actually, the Rhinos. Hadn't really won anything major for about 20 years. They almost got relegated uh, a year right. or two before I got there. And how how was it for you, Mark? Like uh, injury wise, were you okay? Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, great. Didn't didn't have any injuries. Oh, I didn't have one. I had one like a broke a rib. That was about it. Or did a rib cartilage. Um, and what was the sort of uh, like the, the the standard of uh, of football? You know, rugby league. Like, oh, mate, like, it's it's it was good. Um, yeah. And you know, if you go over there expecting it's not going to be or it's going to be easy, mate, you're in for a rude shock because exactly. Mate, they, there's some good players over there and, you know, we were, I was real fortunate that at the time sort of Leeds had signed a couple of players, a lot of English players. We had Adrian Morley, who was only a young fella. Yeah, right. Um, I think Moz was 19 then. Um, he was outstanding that year. Uh, we had Yeston Harris, who was a bloke who could play. He was a 5'8 from... We ended up having this really, really good team. Uh, Brad Godden played there as well at the same time as I did. And, mate, the first year I was there, we ended up making the grand final, which was their inaugural oh, wow. grand final. So that was Is that a the Super League. No, the Super League one was at Old Trafford, which was Old Manchester, Manchester United's home oh, ground. So this was the first time they'd ever done a you know, top five in a grand final. So mm-hmm. we played Wigan in that and unfortunately got beat. I think we got beat 10-4, something along those lines. Right. Um, but a great experience, mate. 50,000 people there yeah, at Old Trafford. Wow. So I did end up playing at Wembley, 
was the last ever Challenge Cup game played at the old Wembley Stadium, which we oh. won the Challenge Cup the following year. But as an aside, being over in England for those two years, I played in the first ever Super League Grand Final and played in the last ever Challenge Cup to be played at the old Wembley Stadium. So. That was pretty right. And how did you adjust to living in Leeds? Mate, obviously a bit colder. Yeah. But, mate, I loved it. The people were great. The first year in Leeds, summer-wise, wasn't great because it was played over. Obviously, they play Super League there in summer. But the start of the year is cold and the end of the year is cold, obviously. But uh, but that year, that first year I was there, mate, we, I think we had one week of hot weather in May, end of May. And that was it. The rest was rainy and miserable. But the second year, mate, we had about three months of, of warm weather. And, and for whatever reason, it just seems hotter over there. Like when it's 30 degrees, it feels like it's 40. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. And then uh, you come back after the end of the 99 season. And when did you start, it was KOFM at the time, but when did you start working with them as like a uh, sideline eye? Well, actually, when I, I came back, I think 2000, I got a call to say, uh, I think it was two, yeah, 2000 or 2001, oh, would you be interested in doing this? No, this was with 2HD then. Oh, yeah. So was that with Gary uh, Harley with, with Gary Harley, yeah. Right. Um, and so I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do, because I, I think the semi-final that the Knights were in in 2000, it was. I, I did a bit of a call with them against the Roosters in that game. Oh yes, I remember that game. Yes. And um, and so that was, that was it. Just a one-off with that. And then they rang me again. What was that? I think it was in two thousand and two or three when when they end up. I think Ko rang yeah, and got the rights. Then uh, I forget what year it was, but I started to call do the call then. So. Yeah, but it was, mate, I've been doing it ever since, so it's been really enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. And have you had any, like, uh, experiences, like, or stories do it, doing that? Like, um, oh, yeah. Only when I was doing it with Gary Harley, mate. So, yeah. so Gaz, oh, no, when we were at KA, because Gaz came over to KA and doing the call. So we, I remember we were up in playing the Gold Coast this day, and um, so we got up there early and, and go into the... The grandstand where their sort of club rooms are and whatever, and um, and Gaz is always loves the food. So we used to they'd provide a bit of a food, not much in the the call room that we're in or or the media room. Um, anyway, so Gaz hadn't had enough, but he the room next to where our where our studio or the room was that we were doing the call, uh, the media box. So he's gone into the the big restaurant with all their members and all that sort of stuff in there. Well, Gaz has just decided to sit down, got a meal served to him. <laughs> so he's eating all this meal, all this food, etc., uh, helping himself and then just went to the toilet and then bolted out of there. <laughs> but he did love a food, Gaz. So <laughs> he, he was a funny bloke, Gary. I, I heard that uh, Gary Harley, like, um, if he went out, he, he, every five minutes he would ask for, like, a, a, another can of Coke or a glass of Coke. Yeah, pretty much, mate, which yeah. is probably why he was so big. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he, he seemed like the voice of, you know, always calling the game. And then, um, yeah. yeah, so that, that's that's great. Gary Harley, great yeah. caller. 
Yeah, so you've done that for all that time, and yeah. uh, on the fa- on the family side as well, you have two sons and, and one daughter. Yeah, uh, that's correct. I read that uh, your your daughter was the first, uh, the youngest uh, to be in the Knights Cheer Squad. Is that true? Yeah, she was. So she she was in the Cheer Squad for for, for a number of years. There. Yeah, which was great. She she really enjoyed that. And, and both your boys, uh, one plays Union and one plays League, right? Yeah, that's right. So Ryan plays, he's my oldest son. He plays with South Newcastle, Rugby League. And then my youngest bloke, Matt, plays for um, Meriwether Carlton, Rugby League. Oh, very, very nice. All right, I'll have to go out and uh, watch him. All right, so I've got a couple of quick questions here. Uh, I just want you to give me like a, a very, very short you know, just yep. uh, ran- random, just short, short answers. So, are you ready for these quick answers? Yes, mate. All right. Uh, who will win the grand final this year? Uh, I'm going to say Canberra. Canberra. Your opinion on the one referee for this year? Very good. Mm-hmm. The bunker? Not a fan. <laughs> Not being able to rule on forward passes. I think that's fine. Callan Ponga? Uh, sensation. Yes. All right. And, uh, Mark, uh, what does the future hold for Mark Glanville? Well, mate, hopefully, uh, hopefully a good life uh, for the rest of it. Not too many uh, sores or you know, operations needed, etc. So, no, look, just, just looking forward to watching the, the kids get older and, um, you know, continue in their sport, etc. So, um been really fortunate enough uh, that I've, I've loved living in Newcastle. I've been in Newcastle now about 30 years, so wow. longer than I've lived in Wagga, which I, you know, my in-laws live down there as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, really love living in Newcastle and I'm, uh, I'm almost a neighbour Castrian, mate. I'm more <laughs> than uh, I think when you can pass as a neighbour Castrian. <laughs> Definitely. What uh, advice would you give to an inspiring rugby league player? Uh, you know that's uh, you know that's coming through the juniors. What, what advice would you give to them? Oh, I think uh, for that person that if it's a goal they want to achieve, write it down what they need to achieve, put it on your wall, and make sure you train the hardest you can train at every opportunity. Because I think, well, I know, I know from my point of view, I mean, when I first went to Sydney to play with St George, I thought I was fit enough. I was only 18 and I, I'd played first grade down in the bush. So I thought, you know, oh, this would be all right. It won't be too hard. And mate, that first couple of training sessions, I struggled massively and I thought, oh, okay, then I've got to train every day and I've got to be the fittest I can be. So I made sure I was the fittest person or if not, one of the fittest people within that team or within the club. So I made sure I won everything or was in the top couple. Um, and I did that from then really onwards. And, and sorry, uh, what do you think about the, the modern game now? You know, you played in like the real tough sort of version of, of rugby league. So what do you think of the modern game now? Oh, look, I, I think it's... I enjoy it, mate. I still love watching it. You know, there's certain rules that I, I struggle a bit with. I mean, they're trying to make... Which which I like the one referee, mate. I think that's going to help. Um, yes. And especially with that penalty. If the ref can just... Well, rather than penalty, do a six again. 
so it'll hopefully still speed up things. But look, yeah, look, the game is as tough as ever, I think, and you know, there, there's probably not as many high shots or you know those <laughs> yes. sort of things that that used to go on when I first started playing. So, which, which is like probably, a facial, like a facial massage or yeah, something like yeah. that, you know. <laughs> which is probably a good thing. So you want you want kids still playing the game, and hopefully the parents will. I'll let them do that. So, you know, I think it's a great spectacle. I I'm, can't wait till it's back on TV tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. And, and the Knights uh, for this season, you know? Yeah, look, I think they can make the eight. I don't know whether they can win it. But, um, you know, it all depends, again, on injuries. And, you know, if they can have as, as least amount of injuries as possible, then that'll enable them to keep their best team on the paddock. And if they can do that, they'll, they'll go a long way into um, hopefully go towards winning it. Well, Mark, uh, thank you very much uh, for your time. I know you're a super busy man. Uh, just quickly, uh, do you have any social media or anything you, you want to promote, uh, endorsements? No, not really, mate, apart from uh, Triple M, obviously. Listening to Triple M Newcastle when the footy's on. There's myself, Michael Hagen, Frank Barrett doing the call this year, so we'll be calling all the Knights games. Make sure you tune in to us. All right. Triple M now. Triple M now, is it? Yeah, Triple M Newcastle, 102.9. Yep. Awesome. All right, mate. Uh, Mark, you were one of my heroes uh, growing up. Uh, you, you gave me a lot of good memories uh, playing for the night. You know, I, once again, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming onto the show. No, I'm happy to do it, mate. Okay, then. Thanks for your time. Bye-bye. Thanks, mate. Bye.